From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tack Podcast. This one powered by Trailblazer Firearms, October 12th, 2022. Got big Tony Simon waiting back in the green room. And yeah, I provided him with plenty of cupcakes while he's back there. We're going to bring him in here in a little bit, but it's not going to be the conversation you probably think that you're going to hear from Tony Simon. Uh, not going to do a whole lot of 2A talk tonight. I've, I've dubbed this one the FUD talk and the FUD chat. We're just going to talk about firearms. We're going to talk about uh, the, the firearm lifestyle, that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, not do a whole lot with legislation and, and gun control and other things. Just uh, kick back and have fun. So while we're doing that, uh, if you have joined us live, then be sure to drop those uh, questions, comments, other things out there in the live chat. I'll flag those. We will get to them. So just be patient on that if we uh, don't get to your topic or whatever right away. If you are joining us in the replay world, audio, video, odds are there's probably a place that you can comment uh, so we welcome you to jump down and, and do that below, too. You can be a part of the conversation after the fact. I want to thank, of course, our Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, which that crew has grown over the last few days. Thanks for uh, everybody that's made that happen. Those that do decide to drop super chats and super thanks, well, we'll, of course, highlight those and uh, and say thanks. And then those at shop, clovertack.com slash shop, well, we Thank you guys as well. I want to say uh, that uh, we're proud to be a part of the Firearms Radio Network, a cool kids club. If there ever was one, I don't know why in the world they let a flood like me in, but they did. And uh, thankful to be there. Go check out firearmsradio.net. A lot of cool podcasts on there uh, that I'm sure you'll find something that you will enjoy. So with that uh, said, let's bring in the literal man of the hour, Big Tony Simon stuffing his face with the cupcakes. You had the cupcakes, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know what happened, but they all <laughs> I gone. Do. I do. I'm looking. I'm looking at him. I know what happened. <laughs> that was great. That was great, man. Um, you know what? I'm going to start this off because you you have so many things going, and I know we agreed that this was going to be a podcast just to kind of kick back, let our hair down, so to speak, have a little fun. Um, but it is important that if anybody is out there, doesn't know what you do uh, and all the work you do, uh, they do need to know that. So we're going to kick things off. I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, no more than that, because we got to get to the fun tonight, but uh, let people know, Tony, who you are, what you do, what you got going. All right. Part of it is um, I'm hosting something called a diversity shoot. I started in 2015 in New Jersey to bring people together, uh, regardless of your background, race, whatever category they try to split Americans into. I'm welcoming welcome them all to the gun range. I introduce them to firearms. I tell them the racist history of gun control. I help them uh, get their permits or at least hook them up with people that can get their permits to carry and legally handle guns in Jersey. And, um, I'm not trying to convert people overnight, but I am trying to plant the seed. If somebody has no, never intended to own a firearm, I'm here and we can have a discussion. Uh, even you can bring anti-gun people to my events. And if they're willing to listen and have a conversation, we can do it. 
Um, I have Second Amendment groups that come in and I introduce them to people. My volunteers, many of them are instructors, uh, actual instructors that work as professional instructors and others have been instructing people for years. I do this in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and I've even worked with the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association and flown out to Omaha and done one of these events. So we have gotten around, regrow. It's expensive. I'm paying for it out of pocket. It is not a charity. It is what I do. Um, IRS calls it a hobby. So if you want to help me with this hobby that I've been doing for seven years and uh, uh, educating thousands of people, you can donate. I have both PayPal and um, let's just go through PayPal. I can't even think of the other one. Go fund me. There you go. But it's all at diversityshoot.com if you want to help out. I'm actually adding more uh, to that. So again, if you want to help out, diversityshoot.com. That way you can help fund the work we do. I'm actually hosting one tomorrow at Gun for Higher Range in Woodland Park, New Jersey, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. I provide food. My guys provide ammo. Uh, we have a lot of fun, and it's a three-hour event. So we do these every two weeks at five different ranges across two different states. And I could use your funding, plus we're flying out to SHOT Show to try to get corporate funding in 2023, because that's when the big move happens, and I do become a 501c3, and that's when you need the monies. So please help out if you can, and that's the end of us talking about this until the end of the show. That uh, that works. That works for me, without a doubt. So let's kick this one off. We had a couple things starred up here. Uh, first of all, defense dad out there. Uh, he says, can they do it? Can they really not talk to a, well, technically, no, because Tony <laughs> just gave his spiel, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, I hope you didn't put no money on that, defense dad, because uh, if you did, you, you lost. But uh, but that's okay. Now, here we go with uh, one. MC says, is there any over-under betting on how long until 10 millimeter comes up? Well, as a matter of fact, let's bring that up right now. I'm okay with it. Are you okay with that, Tony? I'm good with it. Let's roll, baby. So, um, 10 millimeter is the best millimeter. Everybody knows <laughs> that. If you don't know that, then you should. You need to go to some kind of a re-education camp uh, and, uh, and and get your knowledge on. Um, 10 millimeter, for those that don't know, is not some new fad, soy boy, <laughs> skinny jean thing. Uh, 10 millimeter has been around a long time. It was the OG. Uh, they dumbed it down and made it all girly for, uh, for people with the 40 cal. So for you 40 Smith and Wesson guys out there, and I use guys loosely if you're shooting 40 Smith and Wesson, but for you 40 Smith and Wesson guys out there, uh, just understand that. Just understand that you're shooting basically the pink ammo, low recoil version of the 10 millimeter, right? Um, that's my opinion. 10 millimeters. Awesome. End of story but I'll let Tony give his opinion on it as well. <clears throat> okay. Um, you're a crack baby. Um, <laughs> uh, 10 millimeter is not new. It's been around a while. Uh, and yeah, they, they neutered it to create the 40 Smith and Wesson, but here's the moment. Most of your across the counter 10 millimeter is at 40 Smith and Wesson power levels. Lucky Gunner actually did it, uh, uh, did a velocity test and ballistic gel testing. And pretty much, yeah, most 10 millimeter on the market is at 40 Smith and Wesson level. So you're paying a lot of extra money for that 10 millimeter brass 
but that's all you're paying the extra money for is that 10 millimeter brass. So right. 40 guys come out on top on that one. Yeah, I'm a 40 dude. I got a P07 and 40, and I have, of course, <clears throat> the creme de la creme, high point JCP and 40 oh. Smith & Wesson with the $100 bill grips. I would show it, but then you get demonetized, so it's not worth it. Just oh. Google hotness, and uh, <laughs> it should come up on the screen. But uh, We're not yeah. monetized anyway. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Trailblazer Firearms for that. But yeah, and the Patreon patrons and the YouTube channel members. But uh, yeah, this, this podcast, yeah, I don't monetize these. Why do I not do that? Because you never know what's going to go on and what's going to affect things. So it's like, I don't even mess with that. Yep, us either. It's just not, not even worth it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm on the Gun and Gear Review podcast on Firearms Radio Network also, if you don't mm -hmm. know that. Which which is a fun podcast to be on. I've been well, on. I there said for it seven was the years. Cool Kids Club. Of course, you're there. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun, dude. I mean, working with Jake was awesome. Working with Sean is awesome. A uh, bunch of laid back people that just want you to show up and put in the work, and that's what we do. And um, <laughs> it's grown so much. I don't even know all the shows on our network anymore. I don't either. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> 500 Magnum out there. He said, no, 7mm ought 8 is the best millimeter. Well, here's the thing. That doesn't end in millimeter. It's 7mm ought 8. So, I, I, on a technicality, that doesn't count. Now, that being said, I do like a 7mm ought 8. I don't own one. But I, I think for um, I think for a kiddo, for a teenager, uh, maybe maybe for the wife the girlfriend something like that in a hunting caliber um assuming that's allowed because state regulations of course vary with that um i like the i like the cartridge i do like the seven millimeter on eight what do you what do you think about that tony actually i don't know the seven million as in i've not shot a firearm in it i have the 30 out six and <clears throat> I have .30-06 in both military surplus M1917 infield, which I love shooting because that thing is stupid accurate. <clears throat> and because .30-06 is expensive, I haven't shot a lot of it after, you know, um, I got other guns. But I love shooting my infield. And uh, I actually competed uh, in shooting competitions with that infield. And after like a two-year layoff, I think it was, uh, we decided to have a fun day shoot with me and my friends uh, because we also hosted, uh, we, we had a competition called the Minuteman Challenge mm -hmm. where we would bring different guns. So let's say this week, the Minuteman Challenge is semi-automatic 22 rifles. And we had targets set up and rules set up and you just bring the 22 and 200 rounds of ammo and we competed. And it took like four hours. It was a lot of fun. The whole thing was to bring up camaraderie. Also, it was to dig that gun out the back of your closet. Because a lot of gun owners don't shoot enough. Um, they got the gun, but like the brother-in-law comes over once a year during Christmas and y'all go out and shoot cans or something. So we were coming up with a reason to get the gun out and also build friendship with gun owners, especially in a state like Jersey. Uh -huh. So we were doing a fun shoot. It was it was after the season was over of, of that particular sport. And uh, I brought, brought out the 1903, excuse me, 1917. And... Um, I gave a little quick lesson on what it is because I have one with a red band on it, which means it was actually sent to England during World War II, and it was marked 30-06, and then it came back to this country post-World War II. Standing 200 yards, 14-inch target, first shot, pow, ting, who's next? 
after a two-year absence of not pulling the trigger on a thing. I'm like, this is why I love this rifle. So that's what I shot in 30-06. And I have a Savage Axis. And I don't know who thought it was a good idea to put a 30 to chamber a five pound rifle in 30 odd six, <laughs> but it's a horrible idea. I remember when I bought it, I caught it on a great price, like ridiculously great price. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's 30 odd six. I shoot that all the time. Not in that, you know. So I place it down. It has like, a, I think it had a Nikon scope on it or something like that. Right. I pulled the trigger. <laughs> And then this pain hit the right side of my body. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I thought I got hit by a low-flying jet. I don't know what it was, but it was horrific. And I'm like, I shoot Mosin the Gantz for fun. And that thing sucked all the fun out of life. I think I might have fired four rounds out of that. And I was like, well, we're done here. And uh, so if anybody wants to buy almost like new. <laughs> right. 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 Might have a, might have a few blood stains on the stock there. Oh, but, it definitely uh, has yeah. DNA, but uh, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I had, I, I've sold very, very few firearms and uh, October of last year. Uh, I've sold quite a few since then. I've I come to the realizations like, you know, yeah, I need to let go of some of these, let somebody else enjoy them or, or maybe even suffer from them in the case of this one. But, um, but yeah, I picked up when the Ruger Americans first came out, I picked up two, I picked up one in aught six and one in, in 308. Now I still got the 308 chopped the barrel to, to, uh, to 16 inches. Of course, then I had to put a, a thread adapter on it because there was, wasn't enough meat on it to adapt it back up to run a can, but chopped it to 16 inches and, and all of that. It's great. It's my coyote rig. The aught six, I shot very, very little bit, but like you say, I don't, I don't mind recoil. I mean, you know, it's now after the fact and trying to go to bed at night, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. But at the time and out on the range and stuff like that, I don't, it's, I really don't worry about it too much, but I would agree with you that thing. Um, a, a 30 aught six in a wood stock, and especially something like a Garand or something like that. Um, but even a bolt gun, uh, 700 or model 70 or whatever, uh, in a wood stock, I mean, it's fine, but oh man, there's something about the flex and everything that happens with that synthetic stock that it just beats you up. It's like a the stock has, has flex to it, and it almost acts like it's it doesn't absorb recoil, it adds to it almost. Yeah. Transfers it, yeah. Um, yeah. Because again, I, I have no problem. But Mosins sh- shot crates. Uh, I mean, not crates, but at least one, two, three, four. At least two crates of Mosin ammo. I fired for fun and in yeah. competition. No yeah. problem, dude. That thing. I swear, uh, I, I loaded two mags, maybe two mags, and I was like, "Why am I doing this to myself?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Done. Uh, thanks to DJ out there, by the way, for, for kicking out the links. Appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks, DJ. Play nice. If, if you need them. Now, we do. There will be links. I think there's links to maybe Tony's website below right now, but we'll have other links in the in the uh, follow-up in the audio podcast world and all of that good stuff. Uh, MC out there says, uh, springboarding from that 10 millimeter, thoughts on the 8.6 Razorback? 
And I think that would be the 338 Razorback, wouldn't it? That you're talking about the 8.6 being the blackout. Blackout. Now, um, I had fun with that. You shot it too, right? We were talking about it, the shot. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Um, I had fun with that cartridge. Uh, yeah, I don't have know. a whole lot of experience with it, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have because, you know, we shot – maybe five rounds out of the bolt action uh, from Q and in a few out of the uh, semi-automatic AR, if I'm remembering, right? I have it on video. I just don't know if I'm, you know, misremembering, but it was fun to shoot, but it's just so much going on. It's shot that you couldn't like savor the experience. I mean, shot is for, for a gun geek like me, Doing the media day at shot is almost like hitting like a high end buffet, but right. you got to eat everything and you only have like a short amount of time to eat everything. It's like, oh, I've never had truffles before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. truffles are nice. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was just so much that you couldn't really appreciate it. And you wanted to get, you know, video. I wanted to get content and I also wanted to get the experience. And you want to network with these people because you're coming back to them later on, um, maybe doing shows or doing the stuff I do. Right. But uh, I think right. it's a good idea. I think it's awesome. I think the coolest thing was staring down the barrel and seeing the rifle in that sucker that looks like a screw. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah. what is that, one in three twist? I don't know. <clears throat> it's crazy. It's pretty crazy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think, if, you know, pick a pro football Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think they could throw a spiral that tight. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. <laughs> it's pretty it crazy. crazy. Yeah. I don't know how we're 17, 18 minutes into this. I don't know how in the world that happened. That's not fair, considering <laughs> that we're we're having fun and just talking about gun stuff. It, it should not uh it should not be this way. So that being said, I gotta I got to take a break here and I gotta talk about Trailblazer Firearms. You knew it was coming. Uh Trailblazer Firearms, uh North Carolina, made in the USA. Innovative stuff, uh, the life card alone, credit card size, single shot in 22, 22 Magnum, tons of innovation in that little thing for sure. Uh, the pivot, which I hear the pivot is almost ready uh, for the uh, for the commercial market and coming out. Uh, I was blessed to be earlier in the year. Uh, the first one, I do believe, outside the factory to shoot the pivot. So it flips and swivels and folds and does all kinds of cool stuff. If you're looking for a truly innovative 9mm carbine, it's coming. It's coming. They've got it. They redesigned. They worked out the kinks. Uh, it is coming. So go check out all that innovation over at Trailblazer Firearms. And if you do decide, hey, I like that life card, well, you can save 10% with code LOWERTAC. So just keep that in mind. So we've got uh, MC here says that 8.6 Razorback is the 10 millimeter case uh, with a 338 projectile. Okay. Gotcha. Found some more donuts. Found some more donuts. Sorry, muffins. Did you? Whatever. Nice. Ah, I'm sorry. Got them nice. All. Nice. It's a 10 nice. millimeter case with a 338 bullet. With a 338 projectile. Yeah, yeah. That's one I don't have experience with. Uh, it sounds awesome, and I say it sounds <laughs> awesome because, you know, I like the 50 Bayo when it came out. Um, really, really took to the 458 SOCOM. Uh, when it come out, I was the same way with the 300 blackout when I was 300 whisper before there was even 300 blackout. I was in into it then. Um, so yeah, a lot of the, the, I get it. I get the nine millimeter 
and the and the five five six and the three oh eight and the uh twelve gauge guys, girls, gals, people. I get it. I get I understand. I I have that stuff too, but I like just weird, <laughs> oddball, new playing around with things. And so some of the cartridges work out and some of them don't. And I will say this, if you've got the ability to reload, it certainly helps with what you can play around with too. I I like weird stuff too because I'm not the tactical Timmy type, but I appreciate it and I can run it and I have the gear too. Um, but I see doing what I do is in and being an instructor because that's what I started out being in 2012. Um, because I'm a big dude, plus a little bit older, and plus the people I work with. So my clientele were um, older, uh, a lot of females. And a lot of guys that were just getting into firearms for the first time, so they weren't into the whole tactical firearms thing. Me personally, I dig surplus guns. So I liked the Mosins. I liked the 1917. I purchased my World War II era, Ithaca. I think it was Ithaca. Oh, dang, I forgot the name of the 1911 I had. Anyway, uh, I got an uh, old school 1911 as my first handgun. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so... Me purchasing the AR-15 only happened after I sold out an AR-15 class. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll pick an AR up. I know how to run that class. I know how to run that gun because I I served in the Marine Corps. You grew up with the gun. So that was fine, but it wasn't a priority to me. So when I went to build my AR, uh, one of the things I liked was in the 90s was the dissipator. So I built a dissipator AR. I uh, picked it up from um, Palmetto State. I got the upper from Palmetto State for like $200 with a 416 stainless barrel. And um, I, I got a really, really good bolt. I picked up a nice bolt uh, that was nickel boron coated. And oh. I forgot the other thing. Yeah, so I, I got a high-end bolt because I caught it on sale from like AIM Surplus. Uh, it was much more expensive if it wasn't on sale. And then I picked up a uh, trigger from ALG. I picked up their ACT trigger. So I put together a decent rifle. Oh, and I got a polymer lower, a monolithic polymer lower from G-Wax Armory back in the day because I wanted it to be lighter weight because the first thing when you have new people is, oh, my God, this gun is heavy. Yep. And I wanted to be accurate. Well, with Walmart ammo, I was getting one to two-inch groups at 100 yards with IM sights. That's good enough. So um, one hole in groups at 50, like no problem. Um, so it was good enough for me. Um, <clears throat> now, when I went and took my, well, actually, my first tactical class, it was really small. It was a night, night, it was a night shoot, or at least it was low light, also incorporated into the rifle class. And I didn't have an AR at the time. I had an SKS. So everyone else in the class had an AR-15, and I'm running this night class with a with a uh, SKS that I put thousands of rounds through. I had stripper clips in a dump pouch on my chest, on my chest rig. And I had a Home Depot or Lowe's flashlight, a Coast flashlight on a shotgun mount <laughs> strapped to the friggin' barrel of the SKS. And the only time those guys came close to outperforming me was doing reload drills. Outside of that, even like snapping around up and sending rounds off downrange into the target at close distance, I used the round uh, um, sight protector, mm-hmm. the circular sight protect, almost like a red dot. 
so the the second that hooded uh, front sight protector crossed sight. over. Yeah, yeah. The second it crossed over, I'm starting to pull the trigger because I know I'm there yeah. at 25 yards and 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 in. <clears throat> and they were amazed how quick I was with the gun because I'm like I shoot it all the time. Like like that's my go to gun. That's the gun right. I have fun with. And um, I, I think a lot of people were look. You dance with the one you brought. Mm-hmm. It, it's great. You wish you had something else, but until you get it, learn to run what you have. Right. And and that's what I did. And it was funny because at the end of the class, I talked to the instructor, and we have videotape. We were to do a mag dump in the target transition, hit three targets, transition to the last one. Well, I did. Boom, 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 boom. And then I got permission to run down range, and I bayoneted the target off the stand oh, since I was nice. the last one to go. Nice. <laughs> he said he's never had anybody do that. I'm like, nice. bro, I got a fixed bayonet on an SKS. I got, got him now. Yeah, got him now. Oh, man. <clears throat> now, you said something, and for everybody out there, I am starring some of these comments and, and questions and stuff, and we'll we'll try to get to them. But you said something there, and I got a comment on the video uh, a while back that i mean i don't know that i agree with and my understanding of it's totally different but you talked about you said the hooded sight protector is what you said right so i've heard people say that and i actually had a guy on the video i and i was shooting like same whole groups and this was on a little 22 and i can't remember which one it was i think maybe maybe it was that mossberg 802 plinkster um but he's like the comment was like and I don't know what his, what his problem was. I was shooting the same whole groups at, at 25 yards or whatever. But he was like, yeah, you know, you can take that uh, hood off. That's just a sight protector. It comes right off. And I'm like, I've, I've never really heard it called a protector before. I've always heard it called a sight hood. I've always been taught, competition world and everything else, that you use that. You use that as sort of a as you would like a front globe site, right? A front globe target site. And you actually utilize that hood. It's not there for, as a protector, it's there to actually use for your aiming to make everything easy to line it up uh, better with the target. I'm just, you said that. So like, where do you stand on the, is it a protector or is it there to be used or does it really oh, make I, a I, difference I, either way? I think, I think it's, it's there to be used and it also is a protector. Now right. it's yeah. easier to have, I could have big ass ears on it. Like you can on like a British 303, right? It has huge ears. Um, I can't think of something. Oh, even your AR 15. But if you get confused while you're shooting it, you could end up centering on one of those ears instead of the sight in the middle. Right. So the hood itself to me is pretty cool because you know exactly what it is and there's a thing in the middle. You're not l- lining up on any of the roundness. Right. So, uh, and then, and I've competed again with that in competition in military shooting competitions, military side on right. firearms. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get there and I don't know if anybody else gets nervous still, regardless of how many years you were shooting, but like the, the adrenaline is pumping. Um, and we had our shoot in the wintertime. So it was 20 degrees and I've had like five cups of coffee and now I'm sitting down and it's like front sight post right there. Good to go. Bang. And I'm nailing it. <clears throat> I'm like, you yeah. can easily screw that up when you have a lot going on upstairs. So I like the fact that it has a hooded front sight post. Agree, SKS yeah. is one of my favorite guns. Uh, do I wish it was different? You know, do I want it to be an AK? I like shooting my SKS more than I like shooting my AK. 
excuse me, I don't even own an AK. Uh, and I, I didn't like them when I shot them, like Century Arms kind of AKs, or at least back in the day. And I rarely shot them until one of the guys had a Cribs Custom. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is really nice, but this is a lot of money, but I like shooting this one. It doesn't feel as punishing as the Century Arms versions that I shot that I really didn't like. <clears throat> like to the point, like, no, it's off my list of guns to buy. I don't want one. And then at one of my events, a guy came in with a Meridian Defense uh, AK. And again, very high end. I mean, price wise for an AK. And man, did that thing shoot great. So it seems to me if I'm going to get an AK that I enjoy shooting, it's going to have to be a higher end AK. Oh, Tony's got to go all Gucci on us. Yeah, that's no, I mean, if I get Killing that, you, me, man. you can build an AR-15 and not notice the price creep up on you because you're picking it up a part of the time. I think, I think I know you well enough to safely say if you find a decent AK at the right price, that you're going to buy it regardless of whether or not it's a Krebs custom. <clears throat> Maybe. I have to Maybe. shoot it, though, dude. I really <laughs> didn't like the way they felt. I really didn't. And I'm like, dude, I which like ones, my SKS better. Which ones have you shot? Um, just, of, just a bunch of different ones? Just generic, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe an IO here or there and I, uh, I, centuries. Those are only two, and those was a while ago. So, I mean, to the point it put me off of them. So the so the the stock makes a difference. I can tell you that. Uh, and the AK does have a different it does have a different recoil impulse than anything else out there. It really does. The report, the muzzle report is definitely is unique and the, and the recoil impulse is unique. I think as well on it. Um, one of mine had a folding metal stock. It was just that Ooh. metal tube that they twist. Um, and I don't even remember which one it was now, maybe the, my Wasser or something, but, um, yeah, that got changed pretty quick. Um, cause that was uncomfortable. Oh yeah, um, and so I switched it to a you know a poly style a folding stock set with a Galil style handguard, and um, you know it does it does pretty well. I, I enjoy shooting the AKs. Um, my thing with an AK is an AK, and it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. I understand that, but I get what you're saying about the Krebs Custom. An AK is not supposed to be refined. Mm-hmm. I, I get I'm, it. And I'm used to deer rifles. I mean, you got to be on. They got to be good enough to get the job done. I'm used to competition stuff. I'm used to things that are a little more refined, right? You know, you talked earlier. You said you were talking about getting one to two inch group at a hundred at a hundred yards. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, the it's, that's not hard to do. Which is crazy because. When we first got into firearms, that was exceptional custom gun work with right. hand-loaded bullets. I mean, hand-loaded right. ammo. And now, right. it's like, yeah, when I add the price up that I spent on putting that, that PSA build together, um, I think I'm in the, like, $1,000 range with that AR without an optic. So, <laughs> 500 Magnum. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> you'll, you'll shoot it once. Yeah, it's like, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, 
So Joe out there with Shooting Gallery New England, this will this will switch us over to something that we were talking about earlier. Is I need to get on the Fine Radio Network. Well, here's the thing, Joe. Um, they don't they don't let anybody in that hasn't been to freaking Shot Show. So you got to get your nappy butt across the country to Shot Show, dude. Like that's that's number one before you even get considered for Fine Radio Network. I hate to tell you that, but that's just the way it is. Uh, no, you mentioned range that shot show. Like, so I'm man, I'm stoked. I can't wait. Uh, that's the only time of the year I get to shoot the Chris, the full auto Chris Vector, which is nice, like, which is like two seconds of amazing fun, right? Uh, burp, and it's gone. Um, but I figured out something that uh, last year or this year, I keep calling uh-huh. the last shot show last year, but this year I figured out something. And I'm going to let you in on this along with that. It's not going to be a secret. It's okay. But here's the thing. So you've got, so you walk into SHOT Show, and if you go to the layoff, that's a lot of handguns. There's some suppressors and other things down that way. And then, um, and there's some shot. There's And if you go around the corner, then there's mostly shotguns that kind of shoot out back. Caddy, caddy corner or diagonal from the parking that lot. And if you go up on the hill, it's longer range. A lot of the cool toys that you know we can't even own. Thank you, NFA. Um, but I actually spent a little more time down on the shotgun stuff. And the Browning and Winchester uh, Bay, holy Moses, dude. They had like 50 shotguns on a rack out there. And they had stands setting up and they were just throwing clays out there. There was, there had to have been like five or six or maybe even eight machines running. And mm-hmm. they were just at random times, they would just throw and like whoever was able to get on it and shoot it, shot it, you know? And they literally had cases of ammo. You could have went down there or I did for the first time. Uh, I've went over there and looked at stuff before, but I didn't realize like you were talking about them limiting your rounds, right? Oh, you only get five rounds or maybe yeah. get ten. They literally had cases of shotgun shells, and I st- I think I went through three boxes of shells over there. And there were people that that I promise you they shot a case because uh-huh. they were they were there shooting when I got there, and they were still there shooting when I left. And I'm like, okay, I will forever on range day not leave until I spend 30 or 45 minutes over here just playing around with shotguns because that was awesome. I didn't know about it. I was exhausted. We had lunch together and then, then cause we had lunch together because I'd come off the hill and work my way to where we had lunch. Right. And I was like, now I got to finish it up. So I worked my way all the way down to the end. I ended up taking the four by fours out and was driving a quad and, nice. and that was great. And I'm exhausted, right? It's, it's getting close. The buses are starting to leave, right? Oh, and I'm like, oh. And my friend was like, hey, want to go over to the shotguns? I'm like, oh, fucking shotguns. All right, fine. Man, I was over there. We had uh, we stopped at Savage. So I was shooting the Savage with the 18-inch Savage semi-automatic shotgun. I forgot what the name of it is. I enjoyed shooting that. I was over at Rock Islands, and I just shot everything Rock Island. The Renegades? Had. The Savage was the Renegades. Renegades. Right? Oh, my yeah. God. Was that awesome. Dude, you talk about the 18-inch. The competition model was what I was all about. That thing yeah. was pimp. Man, oh, it, was. it was cool. Oh, it was so it was nice. Every- Wasn't it different I- colors? 
Yeah, it was like red and blue or something. And something it, like it, that, yeah. I think the price tag, he was like, yeah, on that particular model, I think he said they started at like 1100 or something, which isn't horrible for that classification of a shotgun. No. Um, but that particular model was like 1800 I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> because I was looking at it, and I ran rounds through it. But it just that Renegade looks so small and compact that it was just so cool looking. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Rod out there give us grief. What is shot show? Come what what on, is shot show? Come on, come well, on. uh, 2022, it was awesome. <laughs> That's what yeah. shot show Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two types of people in this world. The people <clears throat> that think shot 2022 was awesome. And the people that didn't go. Yeah. Because it was, I was like, because I went in 2020. Uh, that was my first one. Um, not anyway. I had something go on that actually I could have been going to Shot Show uh, since about '98. Yeah, and I turned it down. Uh, it was an opportunity, but uh, it was uh, it was much better. It was much more laid back. I had more time. You could. I felt. I didn't yeah. feel as rushed. Well, it everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. felt that way, including the exhibitors, right? Yeah. They weren't as rushed either. A lot of people don't think about that, but man, that's got to be a tough week for them. I mean, I'm sure it it's fun in its own way and a lot of other things. And, and knowing some people in the industry, I mean, they enjoy the week as much as I do. But, I mean, they're stuck. I mean, they work shifts and stuff, of course, but they don't have the freedom that we have as media to roam. They've got to no. be in that booth for X number of hours a day and that sort of stuff. And that's got to suck to be... You know what I mean? To be at SHOT mm-hmm. Show and be stuck in a booth. It's like, ugh. Always on. Always on, too. Hey, how you doing? My name is Desida, and I, uh, you know, I have a gun store yeah. here, and I'd like... You don't want to blow that guy off, because SHOT Show is still about sales in the industry. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> NRA, I think they probably are more lax, because it's everyday people, and it's no, not right. so much stress. And then when you get to, and I don't know if you've ever been there, the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, nine days. It's a nine-day friggin' show, two weeks after SHOT Show. Mm -hmm. It is friggin' awful. Um, (laughs) Because I go there, and again, I'm giving my elevator speech to companies that haven't been to SHOT or didn't get out there, or I'm meeting up with them again trying to establish a relationship because that's what it's really about. You're dealing with people. And it's like, hey guys, what's going on? And I hang out there for three, four days. Yeah. And it is just long. Like I love well, the high point guys. I hang out at the high point booth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> on my list. I mean, eventually if things you know work up to a point, you know, the thing is it's gotta self sustain. I mean, I, it's not like I make, you know, money and live a lavish lifestyle by doing any of this stuff and probably never will. But if it can, if it can pay to get me to on these trips and, and go in different places, but the way I work it is ROI. Like shot show is the pinnacle. If yeah, you take, definitely. if you take the amount of opportunity there versus the amount of media, I mean, it's a no brainer. You have to, right. Um, NRA similar situation. Um, you know, then you get into things like the shooting sports showcase, the gathering. You get into some of those were pretty pretty high ROI. Um, I think Great American Outdoors would be. Um, it's just something that I've got to work on, and I wouldn't be interested with the other stuff. So, like you saying, you only went, you know, you went for four days. I wouldn't have to go for the entire thing. Um, you know, a few you can days get a lot. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't care about looking at campers and boats, and I don't, I don't care about that. So, yep. so it would take, but you know, a few days, and I could definitely get some stuff done. Um, so it is on the radar. I mean, I do eventually want to go and and experience, if nothing else, just experience that, right? Yeah, dude, it's 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 fun. I got to meet like <clears throat> because you get to spend time with these guys now, right? <clears throat> Especially during the week because everybody's not there, or at least it didn't used to be that way. Like, you get there on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, dead. So you get to talk guns, BS. I hung out with the guys from FN America for, like, three hours one day talking about everything and anything. Nice. And and that was great. Um, Hung out with the guys from uh, Devil Dog Arms. Uh, I'll leave that alone. Right, right. Uh, They they had um, some issues with uh, Stolen Valor. Back in the day, and, and that sucked. Yeah, they did. Yep. And, and yep. they took care of it. Tommy Thacker came in, and he, he he tried to turn the company around. At least he was a Marine and get things going. Uh, um, Bear Creek Arsenal was actually there, and I met them for the first time, and uh-huh. then they, they had issues with immigration, and they had to leave the show. Wow. <clears throat> that was crazy. So you see some stuff if you know the stuff behind the scenes. It's like, wait a minute, right. where did Bear Creek Arsenal go? Yeah, they right. had to leave. <laughs> well, you know, it's about you know you obviously with with what you do, you know, you've got to build those relationships and establish them. And I think what a lot of folks out there, whether it's a two A activist, whatever your project is, I mean, it could be media or whatever. I think they fall down on it. They don't realize the value of the relationships and also what they don't realize with, Oh, I can't go here. I can't swing this or make this happen. And I can't, and I can't, and I can't, can't ever good. Right. But you know, the thing is consistently showing up to shows with the same industry there, they see you, they recognize that like, and they recognize you like, Oh, okay. You're one of us. You're a part of, the industry, a part of this group, a part of this community, even if you can only make two or three, even if you can only make yeah. shot NRA and great American outdoors or shot NRA and the gathering or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, three a year is pretty doggone good. Um, so yep. if they see you three times a year, that's every four months. That's, that's pretty good. So, um, and, and I think that goes a long way, especially if you're somebody that is able to, to talk a good game and, read people and and start those relationships that's what it's all about yeah uh, going to dinner with people uh after hours like i don't drink in public i I just don't drink in public i don't like to go out maybe it's for my years as a bouncer being a bigger dude and having small dudes get drunk and try to swing on you whatever it is um but i will go and hang out at the circle bar and drink water and diet coke um because I'm talking to people and, and that's where they let their hair down. And, you know, I met the owners of several companies doing that. And it's like, yeah, we remember you from time to time. Does it turn into something? Maybe, maybe not. But the whole thing is not just to have it turn into something is actually to meet people and form relationships. Well, and the, the opportunity. So you have to position yourself right for opportunity. And we're, we're talking bigger life lessons here, honestly, but you know, opportunity does come around. Are you going to be prepared when that opportunity does? And and a good way to do that is this company might end up being doing something that meshes real well with what you're doing. It's right up your alley. You know, 
but they may not do that for two years from the time that you meet them. You may yep. meet them, and then and there, it just really nothing <clears throat> meshes up. And then two years later, that opportunity presents itself, and guess what? They know you. They know who you are. They see you around, and they think about it. They're like, and so it allows you to take advantage of that opportunity. You got to be ready. Because when opportunity comes, you got to be ready not to open that door, but kick that sucker down and go. Oh, yeah. People call it luck. <laughs> Tactical yeah. fun. Saves the drink. I saved my drinking for the bathtub. That's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, only the more, champagne only the champagne uh, actually there's more truth to that statement that's why you see that bathtub pick because I was drinking um, right. but um, yeah dude it's look people call it luck but it's opportunity uh, meeting preparation you put in the work already you laid the groundwork already you can do this thing and people find out that yeah you can so I want to do business with him great let's do business and, and, and it works out. Now, what I'm trying to do is just relieve the financial pressure on the work. That's all. It's like, I'm not doing this for fame. I'm doing it to make a difference right. overall. And and, right. we can, and I'm going to bounce right back out of this because I promise not to talk about this until the end of the show. So, I mean, but, but it's like you want to build relationships in anything you do. And yep. when you're talking content creator for YouTube, uh, gun and gear review podcasts, uh, even uh, Self-Defense Radio Network, which I'm on when I do the Self-Defense Gun Stories. If you have a relationship with companies, things work out. People think of you. They have you on their podcast, especially like a lot of people starting new podcasts and a lot of companies are starting podcasts to help because they, they know it helps getting work, word out about their product. Yep. So I was, uh, was Devil Star. Devil Star had me on. I did four interviews while I was at SHOT Show that were not planned at all. Yeah, right. And one was with Devil Star. And that was really cool because I got to hang out with those guys. But we ran into each other four times previously. And I met him at NRA. We were talking about one of their 1911 products and the price price range of it because it was like $3,000 for a 1911. I'm like, they're an AR company. What gives them an idea they can build a $3,000 1911? And because I'm me and a shrinking violet that I am, I saw him at NRA. I cracked out the cat. I told, I introduced myself. I told him what I'd like to ask him just so it didn't feel like he was ambushed. Right. And he was like, all right, start it up. And me and Nick Collier actually had a conversation about why they think they can charge $3,000 for 1911. And it was a pretty cool conversation. So when they started up their podcast on IG on Tuesdays at four o'clock, it's the same time I got off work. So I'd stay at work right. a little longer just to watch it and talk to him back and forth on IG. And then at the next show, we saw each other. We hung out for a bit. And by the time we got the shot, he was like, hey, dude, we're doing the show. We're doing live every day. You want to come by? Yep. And, and that's what we did. So, yep. I mean, opportunity comes from different things. And it's never, what is it? It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've got, you know, already as far as shot, like I, you know, my first shot, I leaned way too heavy into the whole content thing. I realized, okay, filming videos at shot for some people, maybe for me, that's not where it's at. Um, and so I pulled back, but you know, this year, I mean, just with, you know, people I know, people I've met, I've already had three companies. It's like, are you going to come by the booth and do a video? And I'm like, you know, I don't really do that. But if you want me to, yeah, 
you know, like yeah. I, that's my thing. <laughs> I do media, you know, I, you know, and it's a, like, I value their relationship. So I don't want to say no to them type thing. Um, but you know, I'm not going to go, you know, that's about the only way I'm going to do videos at shot is if I have a company that specifically requests that I come in and do a video, it's like, okay, I'll do that. The relationship's important enough to me that I'll do that. But outside of that, it's like, I'd, I'd rather spend my time talking with people, lining things up for later on oh, um, than, spend, than spending all my time <clears throat> in front of or behind a camera or in front of or behind a computer editing and stuff like that. Um, you know, it only comes once a year. It's only for a week, actually only four days for the show. Yeah. And so you, you don't want to waste it. Um, you really don't. And, and, and <laughs> I have to laugh at the people that get there and think they can drink like they're 19 again and still function the next day. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, Rob, that is, right. this is not the place yeah. for you to try that theory out if you're here for work. So, so this is interesting. And, and I've got, I typed in the chat earlier, guys. I know I've got, I don't know, seven or eight at least comments and things flagged. We'll get to them. We still got a few minutes. Um, but I've seen this happen in either 19 or 20. I don't remember which year. And I didn't know this, this existed. But I was headed to an after event. And um, I got a text from somebody that I, that I know. I'm going to leave names out of it. But I got a text from somebody I know. Uh, and they had been like, they were 16 again or 18 again or whatever. And they're like, uh, man, I'm, uh, in a clinic. And I mean, I'm like in a clinic, what, like, what the heck? And he goes, oh yeah, I'm there. They're running fluids through me, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, they had drank all night, not got much sleep, partied, tried to make it the next day. Um, they actually have in Vegas clinics set up to deal with, people that drink too much wow like yeah. you know what i mean run you go in you check in they run iv fluids through you and all this other stuff they literally are set up to deal with that and i was like <laughs> and he showed up at the event he was a little late <coughs> pardon me he was a little late to the event but he did show up and he's like oh yeah i'm, I'm feeling better this that and the other and he was telling us about it and i'm like i didn't know such a thing exists like a like a first aid like a emergency care for drunks i'm like this, nice. is, well, this is this is wild and i'm like only in vegas i guess like I've, so, I've never heard so, of that. so this segue has nothing to do with the story you told so how many drinks did ghosts have at the eleven that club <laughs> it wasn't ghosts. uh so chalk one chalk one up for the marines uh, he was man enough. He didn't have to go to the drunk ER clinic. Um, <laughs> nice. So, but he was also drunk texting and drunk live streaming and doing it. So if you go to the ghost tactical channel, uh, I doubt very seriously. He's unlisted those videos. You could probably find the, the drunk live stream from the, from the party he did. I'm sure. Well, he was um, sober when I saw him at Mike Sedini's house. We hung out, had cigars. Right. Uh, right. That was fun though. Right. Um, Let's see. We got we got several things here. Let's let's get to a couple of these real quick. Five hundred Magnum says uh, thirty eight specials, very underrated for carry, in my opinion. Uh, do you think it is uh, or no? So I don't think I don't think it's underrated. And here's the reason I don't think it's underrated. Thirty eight special been getting it done for over a hundred years. So by that token, I don't think it's underrated. I think it's overlooked. But I don't think it's underrated. And I've got a 38 special in my EDC rotation. 
Um, if a 380 will do it, a 38 special will do it. That's for sure. Yep. Um, a lot of us get caught up. If you're in the gun world in the latest and the greatest, everybody's not like that. Um, there's still people that are rocking 3220s. Um, yeah. So it's like, don't don't think 38 is getting overrated. Actually, I think Americans shot more 38s than any other caliber pretty much into the 90s, like late 90s. Yeah, uh, I'm it, sure it, the, the, when, when semi-autos become way more prevalent. So, yeah, so post, it went longer than you thought. Post-Glock, you could say. It went definitely post-Glock, a lot post-Glock, because, again, a lot of people, depends on how old you are, and when you got into firearms, PDs did not start getting into Glocks until early to mid-90s, and some even held on a little bit longer. State PDs changed over first, I think, and the large cities. I mean, we all know like Chicago. We have some sheriffs, and of course, a lot of it's Texas, but we have sheriffs and constables and sheriff's deputies here that still carry revolvers. A lot of them carry two. Yeah, they're carrying they're okay. carrying one strong side, and then they'll carry a cross draw as well. Usually a smaller frame, something you know that's in a cross draw. Makes um, sense. And with a one fifty eight grain bullets, one fifty eights and thirty eight special. Well, they're normally the ones I know. Like one for sure, I know he is a chief of police. He carries forty one Magnum. Nice. That's why so. it was developed. Yeah. That's why it was actually developed. It was developed for law enforcement. And what the thing I read was it was developed for law enforcement because somebody they wanted something more powerful than a three fifty seven Magnum, but not up to forty four Magnum standards. Right. And, and when they developed it, it was perfect at the load they came up with. But when they started making the ammunition, um, they had the velocity too low. Like it didn't, it didn't really, it wasn't much better than the 357 Magnum and, and PDs and state organizations already had that. So the 41 Magnum offered them nothing really. And then it started getting into the semi-automatic was adopted by Illinois state police, nine millimeter Smith. And it was just a missed opportunity. So 41 Magnum almost uh, 41 Magnum was the fate of 10 millimeter before 10 millimeter became this thing and then slid back in and became popular again. 41 Magnum so. never really got a chance to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, this one was for you. Said, uh, Tony, how do you like the 308 Winchester? 308 is pretty cool. I, I really want a, um, a POF uh, revolution DI mm-hmm. in 308. I think that would be great for the work I do. Um, I think it would be but, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it brings it's an AR-15 sized firearm that fires 308. I mean that that's what it is. It's on the AR AR-15 size, and I think that would be great because it's not going to blow your shoulder off. It's going to introduce people to this firearm that a lot of people don't know about because it's expensive. But when you think about when you get in the AR-10s and how much money you actually have to spend to get a good one, yep. It's like okay, so you spend all this money. And you're still at like a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. Like another five hundred bucks, man. You're in the ballpark of this thing, and it's a lot lighter. It uses and 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 the POF Revolution. It's just well built and well thought out. I actually tried to meet Frank one day. Uh, I forgot what NRA it was, but I was going around doing my elevator speech and introducing myself, and uh, I met his wife. Yeah. 
And I was like, hey, uh, my name's Tony, and this is what I do. And she was like, oh, my husband would love to meet you. He's really uh, he's really a Second Amendment advocate. And, da, da, da. and I was like, oh, yeah. really? Like, 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 not just Second Amendment. He's like, go Patriot, uh, America. Yeah, yeah and Frank, the thing was, is, Frank was awesome. I never got back to him um, because, you know, how you bump into people and I ended up doing something else right. and, and, and you right. get caught up. And it's sad because he was in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and I think he was aviation also in the Corps because I know he had an aviation business before he started POF. I was in the Marine Corps and I was in Marine Corps aviation. So, I mean, we had a lot in common, dude. And I'm like, yeah. dude, talk about yeah. a missed opportunity, maybe. Man, he was a super great guy. He was a gearhead. He loved cars. Uh, I think I've had him on the podcast twice in the past. Uh, I had his cell phone number. We've talked, I don't know how many times, met at every show. I think it's really cool what POF does now because they've got his picture up in the booth every year, everywhere they go. I think that's freaking awesome. That's great. Um, Because Frank was a legend. I mean, if you knew him, he, he really was. And I actually talked to his son, and I didn't even know I talked to his son I don't know if it was shot or, or, or NRA. I think maybe it was NRA. I, I think they were pretty busy. The booth was at shot and I took a selfie in front of the mural or whatever with, you know, the big picture they've got with him up and I took a, you know, a selfie, just, you know, rip Frank, you know, to, to throw out there. So I think it was NRA and I was just talking. I had walked up and they had some stickers. That were amazing. It was a cartoon of Frank, and the sticker says Frank was here. And I'm like, oh my God, these are nice. wonderful. These are awesome. And they had, and they were giving away cookies too, which were banging cookies, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> um, didn't bring any of those home. I ended up eating them all. But they had like iced sugar cookies that were, they were celebrating their 25th anniversary or something of POF. And so they had actually had cookies. And and believe it or not, I ate those cookies during the concealed carry fashion show because they didn't handle snacks at that show. And I, it was after the, it was after the, the floor closed and I was starving. And so I ended up eating the cookies, the POF cookies I got. That's why nobody got Patreon awards or anything. Uh, the cookies, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, I was talking, I got some stickers and I was talking to this guy, this, that, and the other. And, uh, I happened to look down at his badge and I was, we were talking about, I was like, yeah, I've known Frank for years, man. And a great guy and y'all are doing good work. And I looked down and it was his son. Nice. And like, he was, he was almost to the point of crying, you know? And so we, we shifted and we actually talked about, I won't get into it here, but we talked about, you know, some personal stuff that happened and you know, after the fact, and, you know, he was talking, you know, on a more personal level after that. So it was really awesome that, you know, new Frank and all like now it's continued on with his, with his son, which is pretty cool. It's, it's all about, again, it's all about that relationship aspect of it. Yep. It is. Uh, MC says they also have, have uh Frank was here t-shirts. Awesome. That's awesome. Crazy. I'll try to pick <clears throat> one of those up if I can. I'd love to have one of those. I don't, I don't think I've sent out any of the Frank was here stickers to, to anybody yet. I'll have to, I'll have to do that. Um, yeah, we're getting real close to that. Our time has flown. Um, so Magnum says, what's your favorite caliber, Tony? That's an easy one. Not. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious because it's like multiple, you know what I mean? Um, I like the 40. Uh, I like 40 for a couple. I think the main reason I like 40 is because it pisses the internet off. I really 
to give a damn one way or the other. Well, it doesn't surprise me you taking bubble baths and locking for yeah. that that makes sense. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I do some I stuff it. just just to be that dude. Just right. to be a contrarian. I really do. Right. And um, like I like the five five six because of the cost, the lightweight, the accuracy of it. I like the seven six two by thirty nine because of uh, the SKS. And I also have one Bear Creek Arsenal actually came through and donated a seven six two by thirty nine upper. So uh, we were working on getting that into the rotation. So me and two of my guys actually picked up seven six two by thirty nine uppers. Uh, so we could have a less expensive way to shoot. Have, you know, introduce people to shooting. Yeah. Right. And 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 then Russia invaded the Ukraine and ruined that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh great. Um, that was going to be a thing. Like, hey man, we can save about half on the price. Of, well, not quite half, but significantly on the price of ammo per round, yeah. just by going to seven six two by thirty nine. Right, right. So that happened. But uh, so seven six two by thirty nine nine forty twelve gauge. Yeah, Maggie says, says favorite FUD caliber. What would you what would you consider your favorite FUD caliber? Twelve gauge. Twelve. You know, I think 12, I'm even going twenty. Maybe even twenty. That's a gauge though, right? He said caliber. Okay, so caliber. All right. I'm thinking gauge. So I'm thinking forty five seventies. What I'm thinking. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm I've thinking. enjoyed shooting forty five seventies, but I don't own one. Um, and FUD caliber, I'm gonna go with what I actually own, and I love shooting the thirty out six out of the. Uh, yeah. The 17, bro. And the other 1917. God, is that yeah. fun. Right. Yeah. I even have a 10 mini trigger for that. Oh, nice. A friend of mine donated me. Oh, he was like, dude, I'm not using it. It's a short 10 mini trigger. So I'm like, if I put this thing in here, you know how much money it's going to cost me? Right. <laughs> right. Put an even better trigger in this. Right. <clears throat> so I think I might have to wait until I reload. Yeah, uh, okay. Talking smack about the 48. Listen, if you want... It, it, if you, you know that's coming, though. You know that's I, coming. I, I, okay, understand something. I bought... I, when it came to handguns, I only wanted to work on the skill set of shooting a handgun. It didn't make any difference what gun it was to me, because, again, I like surplus rifles. Right. I like stuff with a story behind it. So I had a 1911. Incident happened. I no longer had a 1911. Uh, I wanted to buy a handgun just to work on that Sight alignment, sight picture, trigger squeeze, my handgun. I've read about high points. Uh, my friends and all my circle were said, look, we're going to pick a caliber and we're going to go it and we just all buy handguns in that caliber. That way we all have the same ammo. We stockpile it. So they bought Glocks, Glock 22, Glock 23. I looked at high point and I was like, hey, people talking a bunch of trash about this. But everybody that has one says the greatest thing since sliced bread, and people that never had one talk trash. Right. It's $170. Let me spend the money. Take the three months in New Jersey it is to get the pistol purchase permit. And I got the thing, and uh, it is not fun to shoot a 40 caliber blowback-operated pistol. But I was able to shoot it accurately. I actually have a video on my channel. Yeah. <laughs> I have a video on my channel of me shooting at 100 yards, groups with it, not just hitting the paper and cheering, but I was shooting groups at 100 to see how tight I can get it this yeah. big. Uh, it's a group, seven-shot group, the size of my hand. <clears throat> so it's accurate. And then I took it to a concealed carry class because that was the only handgun I had. Uh -huh. Man, it is heavy. It is awkward. 
Um, it doesn't have a slide release, so you have to rack it every time, which isn't horrible, but it's the operation of the firearm. Right. If you don't have enough money to buy something else, I think High Point <clears throat> is <clears throat> the best sub $200 new handgun uh-huh. that you can buy before you really start making bad decisions. I think that's as low as you can go with the caveat that the magazine lips may need to be tweaked. You have to lube it and you have to understand you don't have a just as good gun. You have a better than nothing gun. Right. That I've put 3000 rounds through mine. I've written reviews for it. Yep. But there are better guns. And if you can get $250 together instead of 200 you can buy a police trade-in something and be a lot better off. Right. Yeah, I've got I've got 3000 plus easy through my 380 high point. I mean, easy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, I, it's never had a complete disassembly to clean it. Uh, you know, just. It, it, yep. it just literally brushes and spraying inside of it and stuff. It's, it's insane, and it still runs. Um, thoughts on thirty supers? What Roy out there is is saying? We've we've had that come up in some other chats. I think it would be great if it was given a chance, just because it's another caliber. Uh, it's slightly more powerful than three eighty. Uh, it's actually closer to nine millimeter yep. uh, than three eighty, but. The same people that poo-poo on 40 <laughs> use the same 40 argument <laughs> for 38 Super. So, oh, no, 38 Super will never make it. But, but I'm like, but it's I don't. the same. I don't like 40, and I like 30 Super. Yeah, I mean, it's just I some of the same a... people have weird weird arguments about caliber. Yeah, I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with it. And, and I've said that you know, it's a conversation, and, and I'm sure Roy hasn't heard all the conversations, but conversation we've had before that the, the only problem i see with 30 is you know different manufacturers are going to have to get in the game so that it's available at a reasonable price um that's not going to happen unless like federal wants that to happen first of all and then second of all it's going to have to be available in a variety of handguns a variety handguns. of platforms and so I, I just i don't know that we're in the right the right time, time frame yeah, yeah for that to happen right now i, just I think, think we it, are I, I think it's better that it happened when it did they brought it out in 2022 um now not a great time to start like it didn't catch on fire but i think it's being out there you saw it nighthawk customs has has their gun chambered in it smith and wesson has some guns chambered in it and federal is making it so it's out there right and i think when we finally get off which we are tapering down on the gun buying freaking panic, then other companies would be like, okay, we can make another caliber because it's not that much different. You know, I think it's a barrel and I forgot what else, but it's, it's not a lot of tweaking you have to do to make a 30 cal. I mean, a 30 right. super carry. Right. So I think other companies will get ready to do it, but somebody said it once. And I think it's true. If Glock makes his 30 super carry, then they'll catch on. But I find it funny because I'm like, well, Glock, Glock made a 45 gap and it didn't catch on. So uh. yeah, that's, that's that's me that said that. But yeah. Oh, that was you. This is true. This somebody. is true. Yeah. This is true. But but the but the 35 the 45 gap was their thing. They didn't yeah. make something for somebody else's thing. 
So there, I think there's a, a difference there, and I think that difference may may matter. I don't know. We'll see moving forward. Um, I hope so. But whatever. We we blew past that hour like it was standing still. <laughs> I'm talking about. So, uh, but we did really well to stay away from the two A for we pretty much an hour now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks to everybody out there that that kept this just fun and. And hitting us with all kinds of man, the big boar talk out there from 450 Bushmaster <laughs> to 500 Tyrannosaur to whatever. You guys are crazy with that. I'm all for the big boar though. I'm, I let's do it. I'm good. So, um, yeah, elevator speech once again, Tony. Here at the end. Uh, all right, cool. That, yep. that may have come in late. Second is for everyone. Diversity shoot is what I do. I host events uh, across the state of New Jersey and in Pennsylvania. Even got out to Omaha, which was awesome. And uh, for 2023, uh, we're going to do more states. Um, what we do is introduce people to firearms, regardless of your race, your gender, your sexuality, whatever. We have all kinds of people come to our event to be introduced to firearms or at least have a discussion about it. So if you that adventurous gun person and you have a couple of people in your social circle that you want to introduce to firearms, bring them to our event. You go shoot. We'll handle introducing your friends, loved ones, or coworkers to firearms. We're also going to be talking about the history of the Second Amendment, the racist history of gun control itself, and answer any questions you have about the state of New Jersey. And if we can, if we're in PA, we'll answer questions about that. We'll also introduce you to Second Amendment advocacy groups, tell you how to become an advocate or at least get involved, and uh, eat some pizza, have some fun, win some prizes, shoot some really cool guns, especially in PA because we can shoot full auto. And if you want to donate to us, you can go to diversityshoot.com, donate to my PayPal. I'll need your help because we do a lot of events. We went from doing one every other month. From 2015 to 2020, we did one every other month. In 2020 to 2022, we were doing two a month. So that tells you how crazy it is. During COVID, we doubled the number of events we did to right. one a month. And then in 2022, we, we even doubled that to two a month. Nice. So, <clears throat> yeah, we need your donations to make this work. So if you can, please donate. Go to diversityshoot.com and do so. Also, listen to me on the Firearms Radio Network every Tuesday live, 9 p.m. on the Gun and Gear Review podcast or the Second is for Everyone podcast on your favorite podcast app. I put one out almost every solstice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tony, always, always a pleasure. So, well, I'm sure we'll be on uh, be on another chat soon. Yep, and, hope uh, so. And uh, look forward to look forward to seeing you IRL, as the kids say. <laughs> nice. Uh, Thanks in, for having uh, me on, dude. I really appreciate in, it. In mid January, yeah, it was fun. Uh, in, enjoyed it for sure. So uh, yeah, let's get uh, that out of the way. Bring my ugly mug in here. To say uh, thanks to everybody that that joined us uh, both live and have went down iron in ten minutes in replay. We you might need to seek therapy if you've went an iron ten minutes in replay. But you know what? It was fun either way. Um, I did see Buck out there mention the Wanamaker Tulsa Arm Show, largest gun show in the world, and uh, there's quite a few people that are that are going to be making that uh, here at the first of November. So looking forward to that tomorrow on the podcast. Assuming nothing falls through, we've got uh, the guys from ConcealedCarry.com. Uh, and the the reaches of their tentacles are far and wide uh, with the products that they rep and other things. So it should be a really good conversation. Uh, look for the live stream scheduled on the channel. Click notify me. Jump in and uh, and don't miss it. 
Thanks again to Trailblazer Firearms, of course, who powers this particular podcast. Thanks to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat. Super thanks those that shop clovertech.com slash shop. As Tony mentioned just a second ago, a big shout out and thanks to the Firearms Radio Network, who we're blessed to be a part of. Go check them out, firearmsradio.net. That's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Till next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Clovertack Podcast. <laughs>